If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, we are going to be in the Psalms. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 32. So um, you can find me there this morning. We are coming to the end of this segment of our series, Route 66, Prophets and Kings. We will be here this Sunday and we'll be here also next Sunday. But uh, just full disclosure, I had another passage picked for this morning, worked and worked and worked on another passage, but uh, really did not believe that is where God wanted us this morning. And so we will take a little detour on the route that's happened to you before. And it will more than likely happen again. Maybe you're driving down the scenic highway of life and you want to continue straight. But God says, hey, I need your attention over here to the right just a moment. And he brings up Psalm chapter 32. So read with me. I'll read it out loud. You follow along as I read Psalm 32. As I read it, think about this. A man, not just any man, David, broken from all the events that we looked at last week, the time that he spent covering up that sin, almost a year, a year from the day that Nathan stood in front of him and said, thou art the man, you're the man. You're the one who stole that little you lamb, and you had so much, and that was a disgrace in God's eyes. So almost a year of this brokenness and covering up, trying to cover up sin, has come about, and this psalm comes out of that event. Psalm 32 states these words, Blessed. The Hebrew translation of that is happy, but blessed or happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy or blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, David states, when when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Stop for a second. We're family, right? Yeah, we are. Have you ever found yourself there? You know there's sin. There is sin and you have done everything that you possibly can to cover it up. I wrote, I wrote in, in the uh, margin of this Bible about this verse. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. A spiritual condition, this is what I wrote, a spiritual condition manifested by physical life. What a terrible spot to find yourself in. 
For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, God, I I pray that, that Your Word would Break down walls. Father, walls in the hearts of men in this room. Walls in the hearts of women in this room. Father, You are the only one who can break down those walls. You are the only one that can take a heart that is stone, that is hard, and mold it and make it malleable again, make it workable again. God, you give life. You're the only one that can. You're the only one that does. Jesus, you have stated that you, you are not the one who kills, steals, and destroys. That's the thief. That's the enemy. But you have come that we might have life. And God, we might have it abundantly. I, I pray this morning, Father, that this would show us, this passage that we look at this morning, would show us you are the giver of life and you are the only one that can do so. And if that is the case, Father, there are items, things that need to happen inside of me so that that life might come about. Would you show us that this morning? Would you speak to this congregation to these men and women from your word and draw us close. Father, may we praise your name. You are worthy of all worship and praise. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This morning I want us to, uh, to look at this prayer. Two, two people are talking in this psalm. 
Two people are having a dialogue in this psalm. The first six verses are uh, is the, the man David, and he is praising, he is stating his condition, he is sitting there and just praying to the Father. And then in verse 7, there is a speaker change. And God begins to speak. And he closes out this psalm. And in this psalm, I believe there are three points for you and for me this morning. The first is this, that sin brings death and consequences to one's life. Sin brings death and consequences to one's life. Let me read for us quickly verses 1 through 4 again. He states this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, and in parentheses, you could have stated, he could have stated, when I kept silent about my transgression there in verse 1, about my sin there in verse 1, about my iniquity there in verse 2, about my deceit there in verse 2 as well. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand, O Lord, was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And then the word Selah. Hebrew scholars state that that word Selah just means, think about this. So let's do just that. Let's think about this. Let's think about verses 1 through 4. He is stating, David, looking back on an episode, looking back on this situation with Bathsheba and the birth of a son who has now died, he is looking back on this life that he has lived for this year plus. And he thinks about those transgressions. He thinks about those sins, that iniquity that had been so caught inside of him. And that he just wants to get rid of it. Because he sees that sin in him brings death, in him brings consequences. Isn't that the case? You and I get so caught up. Maybe at this moment I don't need to bring you into the equation. I get so caught up. I get so caught up in this thing called life. The responsibilities that are on my calendar. The to-do list that's there. The responsibilities at 34 Tanner Cove that have to get done. Maybe you find yourself in a similar spot at your address or at your workplace that the things of this book, black ink on a, on a white page. Maybe there are days that, yep, we look at it and we read it. Yep, it's black ink on a white page. But black ink on a white page don't change. If it's just black ink on a white page, it does not change you. It does not change me. 
But this black ink on a white page is more than black ink on a white page because this is the living word of God. And when you and I spend time there, just as David spent time in the presence of God, it changed him. Sin brings death and consequences to one's life. He understands that and he has kept silent for so long now. And in his silence, and in his conniving, And in his covering up sin, it cost him one of his best friend's lives. He wrote the letter. It cost him a son. It cost him his general's respect. It cost him, we saw it last week, but it cost him the episode after episode after episode of his wives, his family, being manipulated, being raped and pillaged over and over again out in public, all because of his sin. And he is covering it up, and he has kept silent, and he is wasting away. Your covering of sin is lacking you remember back in Genesis chapter 3, the first sin that entered this world, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were naked and they were afraid. They were naked and they were shamed and they hid themselves. Every single afternoon previous to that moment, they just walked with God every afternoon. What a neat and awesome thing. But that day was different. Something had happened. They sinned and they hid themselves. They hid themselves from themselves. They they hid from each other. They hid from God. And trying to cover themselves, they put fig leaves on themselves. Your covering for sin is lacking. Let's just think about one sin for a second. Think about the sin of lying. You lie. You lie. Kids, you stated that you cleaned your room and you didn't clean your room. Sir, you stated that, yep, this is the uh, honest truth on where my taxes are for 2017. Ladies, you stated, yep. The dress was forty-two fifty, knowing it was one hundred and forty-seven ninety. That was more real. Whatever the lie, you lie, and, and you try to cover it up. And that lie, that lie, starts to eat away at a relationship. Starts to eat away at a relationship between you and your parents, between you and your boss between you and your spouse, between you and a friend, that lie eats away at that relationship. And every time that you come in contact with them and you do not confess that sin, you can't be free around them. Because every time there's a conversation, something in the back of your mind is going, oh, I hope that the dress doesn't come up. 
Oh, I hope that today is not the day that I get a call from the government. Oh, I hope that my parents don't come into my room. Whatever the lie, you have to continue to be guarded. And as you are guarded, it, be- it becomes stone. It becomes a wall, a barrier between this relationship that you once had freedom. And that eats away. As I kept silent, as I kept silent between you and me, Lord, as I kept silent between those around me, Lord, my bones wasted away. And you're like, Brian, are you saying that this spiritual condition actually brought about physical pain? Yes. Yes. Spiritual sin has entered into a physical world in Genesis chapter 3. And because of spiritual sin in Genesis chapter 3, it changed all of physical life. You will die. 100 out of every 100 people die. And it's all because of sin. Because a spiritual condition entered into a physical world Sin manifests itself in this physical world. And the spiritual sin that David was trying so hard to keep covered manifested itself in his physical body and he was wasting away. He was groaning all day long. And sir, maybe you're groaning all day long. All because of sin. My mom and dad are going to love this, but this would be two Sundays in a row that I've said something about my family. But, but I can't get past my aunt. My dad has four sisters, three older and one younger, and the one younger passed away about uh, five or six years ago. And she passed away because of sin. She passed away because the first 40 years of her life, of her life, she loved drugs more than anything. She loved drugs more than her two kids because I sat in her living room and said, I don't have, and she stated with one on each knee, she stated, I don't have anything to live for. And my mom and dad, I was in the seventh grade, I think, but my mom and dad said, the two kids on your knee are worth living for. And she said, I don't have anything to live for. Take them. And so we talked. We took him. He became my brother. But her sin, her sin, manifested itself physically over and over and over and over again. And she died. We are thankful that my aunt knew Jesus the last... Ten years of her life, she confessed, life changed. But every time I read this, and I remember her those last ten years, how she walked, how she lived, what was going on inside of her, it was all because for so long she tried to cover up sin. It brings death and consequences. But not only does it bring death and consequences, see a second 
point this morning. See this, acknowledging sin in your life and in my life, acknowledging sin brings personal freedom. Acknowledging sin brings personal freedom. Look there in verse number 5. David state this, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I got so stinking tired, Lord, that I just said, all right, here it is. I didn't cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you, you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. So think about that. If you and I would just quit covering up our sin, if you and I would come clean, if we would confess it and say, Lord, this is what I have been doing. He already knows. This is the attitude that I have been having. These are the words that I've been saying. These are the things that I've been doing. These are the items that I've been looking at, that I've been keeping from you, trying my hardest to cover those things up. God said, let me have them and I will cover them for you. Adam and Eve, fig leaves won't do, but here's some, here's some animal skins. Stay covered. Brian, you trying to cover up and you trying to do this, that, or the other with your sin, if you would just give it to me, I'll take it and I'll nail it to the cross. It's gone. I paid for it. John writes it this way in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he states this, This is the message that we have heard. We've heard it from Him and we proclaim it to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. Some of you here this morning, I'm not naive to believe that every single one of us in this room are walking in truth. Some of you, Or even saying, yep, I've got fellowship with you, but I'm still walking in darkness. And he said, that is a lie. It's a lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from some sin. No. From all sin. And then the verse that, if we know any out of this passage, it is verse 9. Let me read verse 8 first. I'm getting ahead of myself. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. If you and I would acknowledge our sin, just as David did, I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't cover my iniquity up. I confess my transgressions to you. What does it mean to confess? It means that you say the same thing that he does. You say the same thing he does about that lie. You say the same thing that he does about whatever the sin is. Lord, it was not a mistake. It was not a mishap. It wasn't just because of who I am. It's not because I have red hair that I'm acting like this. It is a sin. 
And I say the same thing that you say about it. It is sin. And when you and I confess, when we acknowledge that to Him, He covers. He forgives. And for some of us in the room, we need that this morning. We need that afresh and anew. We've been covering things up and we need to just bring it to Him. Because when that happens, there is freedom. Therefore, verse 6 states, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you. Let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when he may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from troubles. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. Aren't you glad that God can be found? Do you believe that He can be found? Do you understand what he's saying? If, if there's so much busyness that's happening around you, if there's so much chaos that is happening around you, if all these things are just flying around, it is hard for you to find him. But know this, church, he can be found. He wants to be found. He desires to be found by you this morning. Students, He wants you to find Him. He has made a way for us to find Him if you and I would do what another psalmist states. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, he states this, Be still and know that I am God. It happened again the other day. It, it, it seems to to be laughable to me these days that my whole family can be in the same room and every single one of us, all five at this time, we are looking at a different screen. We're in the same room, but we're worlds apart because every single one of us are looking at a screen, either this close, this close, or across the room. But we're, and you know what he says? Hey, if you want to find me, you don't have to just be in the same room. Nope. You can be in the same room and be worlds apart. But if you want to find me, shut it down. Be still. And when you're still, I can be found. God picks up in verse number 7 and He brings this third point. Sin not only brings death and consequences, acknowledging this sin brings about personal freedom, but the third point that I want us to chew on for a few moments is this. Forgiveness allows worship to occur. Forgiveness allows worship to occur. Let me read verses 7 through 10. Excuse me, 8 through 10. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Not like a horse or a mule without understanding, 
which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, you upright in heart. Forgiveness allows worship to occur. Think about the sin that you're carrying around. Think about it for a second. In our day and age, our culture makes light of sin. I don't know how often you and I see a slogan either about a lady's attire or about chocolate. That it's so tempting, it's sinful. Oh, that chocolate is so good. That piece of silk, intimate fabric is so nice that it is sinful. Kurt, go back a couple of slides and pick up the uh, quote that I forgot to say from Charles Spurgeon. Listen to this quote. When you and I think too lightly of sin, I can't get the phrase out. When when you and I think too lightly of sin, we think too lightly of our Savior. He who has stood before his God, convicted and condemned, with with the rope about his neck, is the man to weep for joy when he's pardoned. He is the man who is to hate the evil which has been forgiven him and to live to the honor of the Redeemer by those by whose blood he has been cleansed. That is a weighty couple of statements. As you you continue to look at that, and you think of that phrase after phrase, that statement after, after statement, think of it under this understanding, that if you have been forgiven, and you have, It has been nailed to the cross. His blood has been shed for every sin that you have ever done, that you ever will do, or that at this moment you're mad at the preacher because he's continuing at 10.58 in the morning and you're just sinning right now. He's paid for it. When you and I think too lightly of that sin, you shame your Savior. He paid for your sin. He died because of that thought. He died because of that lie. He died because of those actions. And when you and I understand that there is forgiveness, it should allow for you and for me to worship. He closes in that statement and he says to weep for joy when he's pardoned. There's a noose around your neck 
and you've been pardoned. And because of that, your pardon, because of that forgiveness, you and I should hate the evil. We shouldn't run back to it. Should hate the evil that you and I have been a part of because we've been forgiven. And we should hold high the Redeemer who has bought us back. Forgiveness allows you and me to worship. Freedom from the chains of sin. It clears the air between you and God. It allows you and allows me to see clearly this one who has saved us. And the psalmist closes out this psalm by stating these words. Be glad. Be glad in the Lord, River Bend. Rejoice. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, Brian. Shout for joy, River Bend. All you upright in heart. You've been forgiven, sir. Ma'am, you have been forgiven. And because you have been forgiven, there should be no wall between you and Him so that you might worship Him because you see Him for who He is. Our Savior, our God, our King, and our Lord. David records two more psalms that I want us to very quickly look at. You can turn back a couple of pages in your copy of God's Word to Psalm chapter 24 and Psalm chapter 23. Psalm chapter 24. It's a psalm of David. He states these words, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So he says, everything is God's. Everything that you and I can see in all of creation is God's. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in His holy place? This person. He who has clean hands, his actions on the outside, her actions on the outside are clean. And he who um, has a pure heart, their motives on the inside, their thoughts on the inside are pure. Clean hands, pure heart. That's the one who can stand in front of God. You're like, I can't do it. In and of yourself, you can't. That's right. But he did it for you. David and Bathsheba, the episode in David's life, the circumstance that we have looked at over the past couple of weeks, did not kill David. The only reason it didn't was because of God's grace and His mercy. He stated, you deserve to die, but I'm not going to kill you. Most scholars believe that Psalm 23 was one of the last psalms, if not the last psalm that David wrote. Looking back on his life, thinking of days in a field, looking after sheep, also looking back over all the episodes of his life. David penned these words, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One day you will stand in front of him. We're all going to stand in front of him. One day you will breathe your last. And you will stand in front of him. And there will be multiplied sins that you and I committed day after day, week after week, year after year. And if you have not accepted him as Savior and Lord, he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You didn't want me? Fine. Go spend eternity away from me. But for those who bowed the knee, those of us who confessed with our mouths that He is Savior and Lord, all those sin, and it is great sin, all those sin, all of them, He says, forgiven. Forgiven. Every single one of them forgiven. I I paid for it on the cross for you. Enter into my rest. Those are the only two options, folks. That's all it is. Don't allow sin in your life today to keep you from worshiping. Why don't you uncover it to him this morning? He already knows. He knows every stinking thought. Stinking use both terms because your thoughts stink. And he knows every stinking one of them. Said it again. He knows every one of them. He knows every action that you ever have done. He knows every action that you've wanted to do, but you could not carry it out. He knows everything. And he says, Brian Tillman, I love you. I love you so much that I died for you. Why, why do you want that barrier between us? Sir, why do you want that barrier between you and God? Why, why do you want that barrier, students? Why, don't you, why do you want that barrier, ma'am? Why do you want it? Just give it to him. Father, this morning, the, uh, the opportunity has been given afresh and anew by you for us to come back to you. Father, this word, your word, has, has shown us that with sin there is death. 
With sin, there are consequences. But if we would uncover those things to you, if we would seek forgiveness from you, God, you would cover them as far as the east is to the west. You'll never bring those back up. Because you have paid for my sin, Jesus. Thank you. Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. You convict. You convict the hearts of those who know you, of the individual particular sin that is making the barrier. Spirit, you convict the hearts of those that don't know you, that they are separated from you and you desire them to know you. Would you do that even now? God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making a way through Jesus. I ask it in his name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. We've got two songs this morning. The first song is going to be our invitation. It's going to be our response song. Second song is going to be an opportunity for us to worship. Hopefully, no sin. Stand and join us.